Well, welcome to our first Google Hangout. We're live today with uh, Tamara from Crown Point Cabinetry in uh, New Hampshire. Um, we've worked with uh, Crown Point Cabinetry uh, over the last 10 years, and uh, we thought we'd take today and uh, share some of how we collaborate and uh, discuss some different design um, strategies that we use when we're working with a client. Welcome, Tamara. Thank you. Glad you included us. Well, great. Um, I thought maybe the first thing we could do is talk about um, um, how when uh, one, of, one of the things we like about working with Crown Point is that uh, your design team takes into account um, the, the architecture of the building. And for us, that's really important because a lot of our buildings, um, the cabinetry is very integral to the design. It's not like it's a standalone piece. So... Um, when we're doing it, you know, often we use cues from our windows and doors um, to dictate uh, what proportioning we might use um, in, our, in our cabinets. And I thought it might be interesting to hear um, if that's something you guys do in general or if that's unique to us. Or, you know, when you see, uh, when you see a plan, how, um, how do you guys, um, how, how do you pick a track for, for design? Um, we do also take all that into consideration as well. I always ask people the style of their home if I don't have architect plans in front of me. Um, it, and I, I do often like to see even the outside um, photos of the house because you want to see the window styles, you want to see the inside, you know, whether or not the um, archways between the rooms are squared or rounded. You know, you want you want to play off architectural features with the cabinetry. You want the cabinetry to feel like it's um, part of the house and not just some cabinets to store dishes in. Um, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense for us as well. And I mean, I think we've taken it to the level. Um, the cabinets have become so int so integral um, to the design of, um, of a lot of our houses that uh, we go back to Crown Point for the stains. Um, we like um, I can share a photo here in a minute of a project that we worked on together in Bethesda, where um, basically the client liked the the Crown Point sample so much that uh, you guys provided the stain for the rest of the house. And the thing that I the the piece of this that this photograph illustrates is really that it's hard to tell where the um, where the buildings where, you know where the cabinetry stops and the building starts. So l let me go to my screen share for a minute, and we can look at a couple of these photos. So this uh, uh, photograph is uh, for uh, Debbie and Paul. Uh, in um, Bethesda, Maryland, and this kitchen is uh, somebody who's come from a much larger um, kitchen, and they've scaled down. Uh, so what we did was, you know, we tried to make, um, you know, an island in this kitchen that um, where everybody congregated around. Uh, this was a little different than the way the client had originally been working in their kitchen, and. The original kitchen, um, when I say the original kitchen, I mean the kitchen in their last house, was definitely less uh, designed, kind of more or less happened, I would say. <laughs> so Crown Point worked with us um, in detail on, uh, you know, not just the not just the cabinets, but the layout. Um, here you can see this is actually a you know a hidden refrigerator. 
um, and all the way down to you know concealing the uh, concealing the the ventilation in the project. But the key to this photo is you can see the crown molding um, in this project was not provided by Crown Point uh, or the window trim, but what all the all the cabinets were. And you know, using their stain and their um, same kind of uh, sheen on their finish, we tied the two. We tied the two together. It is a nice example of being able to um, have us provide cabinetry and have the contractor pull the other elements um, together to make it look like it literally all came from the same place. Um, I did. I really like the beams and the ceiling and the way the uh, crown molding connects with everything. I think it came out really nice. Yeah, and this is another one. This is uh, we've had lots of questions about. Um, this photograph and people wondering, thinking that it was all built in and really the base cabinets were the built-in pieces and the shelves but all of the, all of the rest of it, all of the rest of the trim and the windows and all of that were, were, site, uh, were site built. Correct. Um, basically they provided us with the window size and um, the trim size they wanted and we worked within those dimensions for the cabinetry um, and just made sure we gave them some scribes so everything fit seamlessly and all they had to do was connect all the moldings which was nice. Yeah. Yeah, this is Tamara, this is the part you were talking about with the beams and the the island and and, and in here there is a lot of different different things going on. There's, you know, finished carpenters, there's uh, there, you know, there's two different finished carpenters in this project plus crown point so uh, it really does all tie together really nice. I think this is an interesting photo to touch on too and I'm interested, um, it seems like a lot of our projects right now we're doing where we are doing some configuration of uh, natural wood and uh, either a painted island or kind of the inverse of that. Uh, is that something you guys are seeing as a trend nationally or is that, or, or can you kind of tie that down to are there certain geographic regions that are doing more or less of that? Um, I'm not sure that it's geographical. We are seeing a lot of that. I think it depends on the size of the kitchen, and it a lot of times it depends on the other elements. Um, a lot of times when a client wants to do wood flooring and they want um, cabinetry with a stain for their, for their kitchen, they want to bring another element in that adds some color or something to break up so much wood. Um, so a painted island is always a nice option, or vice versa, a painted kitchen with a wood-stained island. We do a lot of combination kitchens, and a lot of times even maybe a hutch or another area in the kitchen that's yet a second or third color. Nice. I really like I really like the way that it separates and makes the the cabinets like in this project makes the cabinets feel really integral to the architecture, and then the island is more of a uh, more of a furniture piece. And I imagine over time, I mean, I feel like the islands get a lot of abuse, um, maybe even more so than the cabinets at times. So it, I think it's nice that you know that that may be able to be refinished um, on its own at, uh, at some later point and not and not necessarily be tied to having to do something different with the uh, with the bulk of the stationary cabinets. Uh, that's correct. Uh, it depends on the paint finish but we do offer a few different paint finishes and some of them can be repainted uh, so you have the option of just painting over it. Some of them have a finish over the paint so they can't be but there are, there are lots of options. 
And I don't know for any of uh, anybody who's watching this that if you haven't seen uh, if you haven't seen a Crown Point kitchen up close, that is definitely one of the defining factors. Is um, I I really don't think there's anybody that we've worked with on either the East Coast or the West Coast that has the finish down like you guys do. It really does um, it really does feel like furniture. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like cabinetry or you know. And I, when I say that, I'm like, when you go to Home Depot, <laughs> you go someplace <laughs> like that, and you look at a basic kitchen, there really is a distinguishing factor in um, not just the finish of these cabinets, but when you open the doors and you realize like what's going on inside, um, it is, it feels, it does feel like a piece of furniture. Which, you know, I think that some of the tr some of the um, pieces I've read in remodeling magazines recently have put kitchen replacement in like 10 to 15 years as a na as a national average, and I think in a house like this, where somebody's really in it for the long term, um, you know, obviously budgets is a is a part of uh, any project. But I think when the kitchen is so much part of the architecture, it's worth the investment uh, in in doing a uh, a I always call it like a furniture grade uh, cabinet install because it's like you'd have to tear the house apart to get the cabinets out. <laughs> so I really feel like, you know, and if you don't have to replace them in 10 years, and you know, granted you're going to have maintenance and touch up and finish, um, but our hope is like with the level of quality that the, especially the outer, outboard cherry cabinets are in a house like this, they're going to patina and age like furniture, not necessarily um, like, uh, you know, uh, a temporary um, um, melamine box cabinet would. Yeah, I think cherry, especially um, oak. You know, a lot of those woods that we just that we just put a stain in our our baked on finish on, they do last so night so long. Um, I've been into kitchens that were 20 years old, um, that are crown point, and I'm totally amazed at how beautiful the cabinetry still looks. And the client said that they basically chose the style cabinetry that they chose so that it would be an integral part of their home, and they didn't have to feel like they were doing something trendy that 10 years down the road what they put in isn't in fashion anymore. It's not really about fashion, it's about the style of the home and making everything, I mean the style of the house doesn't change. Um, so making the cabinetry part of that is very important. Yeah, I think that I think that's true, and I think the um, especially a lot of these houses that are fairly traditionally inspired, and for us, uh, the you know the the projects that we've done in Bethesda, Washington D.C., uh, Northern Virginia, um, a lot of those projects are in you know established neighborhoods, and this is a this is a new house, but the house really needs to have the have the bones that it feels like it's been there, and I, and I think that some of them actually feel like they've been there longer than the houses that are actually around them. So, it's a it's kind of that bridge where, um, in this project, uh, uh, the the uh, Rice residence uh, um, is interesting. Is that we've had people who say that the inside feels like it's a really nice remodel, which I always feel like is uh, the ultimate compliment. Yeah, I, I would say that that is a compliment because it makes it seem like it's an old house that just had good bones and you wanted to just revive it. Yeah. Yeah. What about trends? What do you guys see happening um, in terms of cab um, cabinets? I, I'm and, I, and, I'll, and I'll kind of preface this with um, as we're designing and we're working through kitchens and not just kitchens but other parts of the house, whether it be fireplaces, um, uh, laundry rooms, any of the any of these more uh, functional pieces. I, I I've laid out um, uh, a few things that I feel like have really changed our work in the um, in the last you know, really over the last ten years. You know, one has been flat screen television sets. Um, the other has been gas fireplaces. 
front-loading washer and dryers. And then in the kitchen, um, I would say that in uh, when we get to a market like in the Washington, D.C. market, we see we see uh, appliances like we don't uh, that I don't run into in a lot of our West Coast jobs. Uh, warming drawers, trash compactors, uh, double refrigerators. Um, there seems to be a, you know a lot more uh, appliances. So I, I always feel like um, some of these have driven design elements, like actually where we place things and how we place them. But I wonder if there's anything that uh, you guys have been running into recently that has changed um, uh, uh, changed kind of some of the some of the design approach. Well, I think that um, the, the trend is still to hide some of your appliances, put panels on them, um, put retractable doors on cabinets to hide microwaves and other things. Uh, one thing that I see over and over again is people want um, an area in their kitchen where they can have charging stations. So they want a drawer near where they come into the kitchen where things can be dropped and hidden behind a retractable door where they can have outlets for recharging phones and laptops. Um, so that's become more important to people almost. Um, as well as, like I said, just hiding the appliances with, with matching furniture appliance panels that cover them. Um, as far as trends go, uh, you know, for some reason white kitchens are still what's happening. Um, I know in a lot of your houses that we do, we do a lot of natural wood because that is what people want that the look of the houses that you do that's what calls for and um, it's just timeless that's the, the wood with a stain is, is very timeless so the nice thing about pulling in some painted pieces is they can be changed down the road so um, paint is still big no that's true in our um, in our West Coast projects that we do um, last year we had uh, in Bend, we actually had a couple of houses on the tour homes and um, and I did the tour of homes and I'm going to say that 80% of the kitchens I went to were white painted kitchens, which I thought which I thought was interesting. Um, and and if they're wood here, they tend to be more alder, not so much cherry. Cherry's kind of a that seems a in the East Coast we certainly <laughs> do a lot a lot of cherry projects. It's almost it's almost a standard um, after after all this time. I think you know the other element that I think uh, I find a, a funny in terms of trends right now is iPads or tablets. And kind of the place that they how they've crept into the kitchens. Um, I, I have done somewhere that we've actually done done a mount, you know, which is just a hardware mount. But I am seeing them all the time, um, you know, in terms of sitting on a kitchen counter for uh, with um, recipes on them or email or um, even as a control center for. I know like Debbie and Paul's house here, um, actually that. Uh, that they have a, a small mini iPad that they use to connect all the music and, and the media, which I thought was interesting. That is interesting. I haven't had somebody request one of those yet, but I'm all over that. I think that's a great yeah. idea. That's um, I'm kind of surprised I haven't, actually, <laughs> um, because people do. I run into people who have one of those on their kitchen counter always, and that's what they get their recipes from. They do their shopping lists on it, so it's how they live. Um, and that's what a kitchen's about. It's about how you live and uh, making it comfortable um, so that it's easy to cook in and easy to live in. Well, I mean, that kind of brings up an interesting point, too. It's like we have a lot of times, um, you know, when you're designing a house, you get to know somebody, you spend a lot of hours, and even before you guys are involved. And, um, you know, and I feel like people have seen just enough home and garden television or bought just enough magazines in the um, in the in the grocery store to 
have a you know to have some opinions and a lot of times I mean people are very opinionated about kitchens I I'm going to say definitely more than any other part of the house um, and to me it seems like uh, people come with a lot of rules in their mind like the uh, the the mystical uh, kitchen triangle and um, they they feel like uh, what I hear from people is that there's like this this rule of how it has to work and. Um, I did a kosher kitchen in uh, San Francisco probably 12 years ago, and uh, that was the first time um, that I really realized that there was so much going on in this kitchen. There was so much, you know, a whole other layer of redundancy of, you know, how to store things, where to store things. That you know, we kind of threw the, we kind of threw some of those rules away. Um, but I wonder if there, um, how you feel about that? Is there, is there, a, is there a, some do's or don'ts or um, kind of? Uh, Classic mistakes for people to make, or, or you know, or what are what are the things that you you know, if you had to pick a couple of things, what are the really important things in planning a kitchen? Um, well, I think the work triangle is still a little important because you don't want to have to walk really far from your refrigerator to your sink and then to your range. Um, so it's still important, but I I put less pressure on it than I used to. I I. I usually start the conversation with my customers and asking them to tell me about their project and how they use their kitchen. And I ask them things that they like about their current kitchen and things they don't like about their current kitchen because I don't want to make anything happen that they don't like. So if they have a situation in their kitchen now that doesn't work for them, I want to know. Um, and it doesn't mean that that situation is a bad situation, it just doesn't work for them. And we, we always ask how many cooks there are in the kitchen. Does their family all um, gather in the kitchen when it's cooking time? You want to make sure there's plenty of room for maybe more than one prepping area, if that's the case. And um, I, I just try to stay in touch with what the customer wants. Um, and some customers don't know what they want, so we have to steer them a little bit and show them lots of options. Well, that's interesting too because I find I actually find when we're laying them out, there's kind of this sweet spot in terms of size. Um, when a kitchen gets really big, all of a sudden I feel it, it, and I think this might be just my own internal sense of scale and what I'm comfortable doing. But I find like, <coughs> excuse me, um, all of a sudden it can be uh, a refrigerator can just be one too many steps away uh, from the sink, or or you have to cross a you know, or you feel like you have to cross. A, Behind the range every time, uh, and the sinks in front of it. But there's a couple of there's a couple of items like that that I always feel like I I personally get caught. I you know after 25 years of doing this, I still find myself going, this is this is like one step too far. And it's interesting because I had I had a, a project that I did up on uh, Bainbridge Island that uh, where I've had the um, the opportunity to stay in the house a couple of times, and it was done as a uh, as a pretty high end spec house, and then. Um, and then the, then the uh, builder sold, and then we became friends with the owners, and they let us borrow it a couple times. And I noticed it was so much kitchen cabinet. I mean, I felt like I needed one of those like ice zamboni machines to uh, <laughs> to clean the counters at the end of it. <laughs> and uh, but it was like I would say that the refrigerator to the sink was probably, you know, four solid strides. And you know, I, I kept finding like to go and get things back. You know, I felt like I wanted a cart. <laughs> but uh, do you uh, do you have like a, a, a like a, a, a maximum distance you use in your mind, or or uh, or uh, kind of, or is it more like just to scale of the kitchen? Um, I do check distances, but mostly what I pay attention to is 
kind of in my own mind how far that's going to be or do they have to walk around anything to get there. Um, I've had people who want to put the range on one side of the island and the refrigerator on the other. And I try to say to them, do you really want to walk around your island every time you want to carry something from one side to the other? And um, some people don't quite grasp that if they haven't been in a situation where the kitchen didn't work very well. Your instance that you were just talking about where you stayed in a house where you felt like it was just a little too far away. That's kind of where I was going with about talking to my customers about have they worked in a kitchen that wasn't comfortable and what wasn't comfortable about it. And that way you can kind of work backwards to figure out and help them figure out what works better. And that's interesting too because, you know, budget always comes up when doing uh, when doing kitchens. And I am definitely a firm believer that a kitchen doesn't have to be huge. Um, right. It's really about how well planned it is and, you know, ergonomically where things are. And, you know, that's probably the best way to save some money on a kitchen um, <laughs> in terms of less cabinetry, you know, or, or a appropriate cabinetry. Um, and so I always say that you know if if it's you can't have a set square footage in mind. Um, I ask I always start with a little bit of like an inventory, like are you know tell me about what you have. Like are you mix are you somebody with a bunch of mixers or a bunch of appliances? Um, and sometimes we can get a lot of that dealt with in a in a um, you know in a uh, pantry or some or an appliance pantry or something like that that's not even necessarily tied to cabinetry. And um, but then I also ask people to kind of look inside. Uh, and I notice that's one of the places that uh, where clients can be surprised by the cost of kitchen cabinets. So, um, yeah, you start having a lot of pullouts, you start having mixer uh, holders, things like that. Um, so I always think it's a pretty good time to you know take an inventory if you're going to build a new house. It's a pretty good time to take an inventory of what you're using and what you're not using, and don't make space for things you're not using at you know at the at the price of cabinets and, and new construction. Are there, do you guys have a checklist or something like that? Do you have people do a similar thing? I do. Um, basically, I do something similar. I ask customers what they have for appliances they need to store. Um, what types of things they leave on their counter versus what types of things they want to store inside the cabinets. Um, we have a lot of different inserts that are available for storing things inside of cabinets. You're right, they do tend to add cost to a kitchen. So if it's something they don't need, I'd rather not add it to the list right away. But kind of have a, um, a small checklist of things that I think I automatically add to every kitchen without even asking, which is um, and a double trash, which usually has two buckets, one for recycling, one for trash. And then um, usually some type of corner pullout because nobody likes to crawl back into the corner of a cabinet. Um, you know, different types of utensils and silverware dividers. Um, it, those are kind of some standards that I will just automatically build into a kitchen. Uh, then from there, we have a great list of all types of inserts on our website and in our catalog. So if somebody sees something like a mixer shelf that they they're maybe they're a baker maybe they do a lot of baking and it's important to them to to store their mixer where they don't have to get it from the pantry put it on the counter they want to just have it accessible so there's a lot of questions like that 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 do that do come up so <coughs> how about uh, multiple heights in uh, in kitchens in terms of uh, Countertops. You know, that's a question that I get a lot when you've got, you know, a husband who's six foot, you know, six, and a wife who's five foot two, and uh, you know, the, the the couple of things that I, I run through with them usually is like, okay, we've got you know appliances that are a certain height, 
and you know we kind of have to work with that. But then there are some uh, some places where you know if it comes to baking that we can make some variation or or even sinks. I feel like are a pretty big deal. Um, you know, sometimes uh, you know a sink can be too deep or it can be too shallow, depending on uh, depending on that. But do you guys is that seem to be uh, are people doing much of that? Are you feeling right now do, uh, multiple counter heights? Uh, definitely. Um, anybody that does a lot of baking will often ask for an area with a lower counter um, where they can roll out dough and and use mixing bowls at a more comfortable height. Some of it has to do with the height of the person. And I do quite often, especially when placing range hoods, things like that, I'll ask how tall people are, or if they want their microwave in a cabinet that's you know above the oven, you know I'll check to see you know how tall are you because I know for myself I'm slightly vertically challenged that would be an issue. Um, so I do I do ask those questions. I actually have had some people who want a taller counter height, and because they they and their spouse are both you know six foot and it's uncomfortable for them to work at a sink or any other place that is um, the standard 36, and um, which is great. We can do that. We can accommodate that because everything we do is custom. Um, the times when we run into an issue with um, varying your heights of counters is uh, when you have appliances in certain areas, because some of them, obviously, you can't go lower than a standard height if you've got a dishwasher or certain appliances that don't come any shorter. Um, the other thing that is a challenge is making those two counters come together um, without making them feel in, like it's a like it's an issue, uh, like it's an interrupt interruption in the flow. So sometimes we'll do it on one side of an island or at the end of a run of cabinetry, where you know some people will put like a desk area, and that's usually lower as well. So you just want to take that into consideration about how you're going to make that work and not look awkward. Nice. It's interesting, the, uh, talking about the counter heights, one of the things that we've run into this year is, uh, and I think that this picture that um, we were looking at before with the island with the multiple levels, that used to be really, I mean, we really lived and died by that with a 42-inch bar side. Um, I don't know what happened, but it happened probably about 18 months ago, but everybody wants one flat surface right now that I'm dealing with. And it's interesting because I like the way it looks. It feels really nice, but the only downside of it is, is it does, I mean, there are more, there are, seem to be more stools available at 42 that are comfortable. And at, 30, at 36, I also feel like, uh, and also this photo illustrates pretty well that, um, you know, you, you really see everything that's on the counter. So once you've cooked a meal and you've, you know, in an open plan concept, once you've done that, you you know all the pots and pans and dishes and chaos is is exposed. But it, it is interesting. It's a it's um and I've heard it from real estate people a lot right now that are in the speculative market. Like you know it's the one thing you can't do. You got to have you got to have it all one height counter. And I, I always find it funny how those uh those transition those uh trends kind of transition into our daily uh our daily design routine. I think that the one height counter is more comfortable for people when they're sitting at the counter because you feel like you have an expansive amount of counter in front of you. Um, when you do a multi-level, you end up with an area that's higher. You need to make that space bigger so that when you're sitting at it, if you are sitting at it with a plate and a glass, you don't want to feel like you're limited um, space in front of you so that things are falling off the other side. Um, so I think that's, you know, you get caught up in having enough space to do a multi-level island. You take more space. And um, so I think that's why people tend to go to that all level is you can get away with 
feeling like you have more space when you're sitting at the counter if it's all one level. Um, I do like the, the multi-level and the fact that you can hide if the sink is at that space or the range is at the lower space and you've got a great room on the other side. You don't want your guests sitting in the great room looking at the dirty dishes or looking at the pots on the stove. So it, it's a catch-22 and I think it's very personal preference. I have people who are adamant they want one way or the other. So. No, I think the the island the that part about the island is nice too, and I think that might be uh, a lot of our houses we've designed an alternative sitting area in the kitchen, um, you know, with the breakfast nooks and you know, and I know you guys have done those with us before, and also you know a lot of other designers, um, and you guys seem to really have a handle on that, um, whether it be a, a built-in breakfast nook or kind of more of a banquet seating, um, but that seems to be something that um, a lot of I think a lot of people come to us and expect that as part of our design, um, and it seems to work really well. And you know, the only problem is it does seem to almost, uh, in some cases, it, it almost it almost negates the uh, <laughs> negates the need for a dining room. Um, our uh, the house that we uh, Kristen, my wife and I built, um, we actually had one uh, one of these built-in banquets, very similar um, um, to the ones I see on your website, and. Um, it was interesting. We'd have people. People would come to the house for dinner and would actually ask to sit there, and we'd be setting the dining room table. They'd be like, "Oh, could we just could we just eat in the nook?" And you sit there. And the first one I did was just a little bit small. It was kind of you know I squeezed in there, and my kids were small, so young, and I was like, "Let's just eat for breakfast." Uh, you know, read the coffee. You know, uh, have some coffee, read the paper, and then next thing you know, you got four adults wanting to sit in this in this piece. And I'm like, "Well, why did I build that other 150 square feet for that dining room?" Yeah, it's cozy. People like people like booths. Um, you go into restaurants, and restaurants will have tables and some and some booths, and people are drawn to booths. It's um, you feel like you can have a comfortable conversation in them. I think is what it is, and um, kids love them. Kids absolutely love them. So we do we do a lot of built-ins with um, banquets, and um, um, they just work well off a kitchen like that. And it's it's nice to put one near an island because it's almost that's becomes the family gathering uh, in the nook and then at the at the island if everybody's all together so yeah on your website I've seen uh, I know I it's, it's in your arts and crafts stuff um, there's one that you guys did where it's right in between uh, it's kind of right in front of the island and I wouldn't have thought of that but it looks it looks really nice and I can see how that I can see how that um, would serve especially with young kids where you don't want you're not, they're not ready to be off on their own while you're serving them food you need to be able to get back and forth to them yeah I think that, that was, that's a really nice design yeah, I know the one you're talking about, and it is. It's it's comfortable for your children to be there, for you to still be cooking meal, or maybe you're maybe you're cooking for company that's coming later, but you're getting dinner ready for the kids too, and everybody's right there, so you have it all in one spot to clean up. And now, how about um, other other parts of the house, like the uh, laundry room? I mean, this seems to be a place that uh, you, we can't seem to uh, standardize on. Washers and dryers—they're either front-loading, stacking, or now. It's actually now is probably my most unfavorite uh, style of washer and dryer, which is these ones that are too tall to put uh, um, to put the countertop on top of. But they do pick them up off the floor, so you're not bending over to get them, uh, bending over to pull clothes out and make the exchange. Um, are you guys seeing a lot more of that? We we do a fair amount of laundry rooms, and yes, the the larger, taller machines now that are like 
37, 39 inches high. It is an uncomfortable height if you want to put a counter to fold. Um, and they're quite deep as well. So I think I'm finding more people stacking them and putting them behind doors or enclosing them to make them look like they're just part of the room and then creating a separate area um, with a sink and, a, and an area to fold um, rather than trying to do it on top of the washer and dryer. Yeah, that makes sense because that's a. I've I've kind of run into the same thing where there, as much as I want to put a counter on top of it, because the, logically it seems like okay, we'll just pull the clothes out or make the exchange right there. Um, and it's funny. I was looking through House not too long ago, and House had a lot of. Uh, there were a lot of uh, pictures where people really building everything in around the top of it. Um, so there's shelves on both sides, cabinets, pieces like that, which I think makes which I think makes more sense. Now I get I get pulling it off the ground, um, but having it. Um, uh, having it totally, um, having you know, not having a counter on top is leaves me wondering where to put stuff. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Um, I have mine; they're not stacked; they're side by side, and I don't have a counter over them. I tend to take things out and just put them on top of the wash. Looks like we froze up. Oh no, we're back. I am. Are you there, Tamara? Tamara, can you hear me? She's frozen. Okay. Well, I won't be able to stop it. Okay. Is that good enough for me? Yeah. 